turn with me to Mark's Gospel. Now, if you have a pew Bible, it's found on page 707, 707. And we're going to read. We've been going through the Gospel of Mark. And um, what we've been doing is looking at the events in relation to all the things around them, not just taking them out as a single individual item. We will have a single item each week, but we're putting it into context as we go through the gospel together. I'm going to read from um, chapter 1 of Mark's gospel, and I'm going to read from verse 28. So starting at verse 28 of Mark chapter 1. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. And as soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John into the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. That evening, after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and the demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons. But he wouldn't let the demons speak, because they knew who he was. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up and left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone's looking for you. Jesus replied, Let us go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So we traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. A man with less leprosy came to him, begged him on his knees, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cured. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone. But go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. And as a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in the lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. Shall we pray? Father, we do thank you for your word, and we thank you for the fact that it is your living word. It is the truth of who you are. It is the information that you, are, you love us and want us and desire us to know so that we might know you through what we read here as your son is revealed to us in the truth of who he really is and why he came to do what he came to do. And how this is relevant to each one of us now. Gathered here. Hundreds of years later. Yet still. The same need is there. Our Father you're still there. May we see your face today. May we see who you really are. And that we might know you as ours. For we ask it in his precious name. Amen. Okay going through Mark's gospel. And um, Sometimes we have, when we have been in the school and, and Josh does it, go walk through the Bible. But when you come to Mark's gospel, 
you don't put your walking shoes on, you put your trainees on. Because you go through Mark's gospel at a speed. Because he wants to get the information out to you and he's given you just enough information so that he can get his point over. And we said his point is that we might know who Jesus is. Now each of the gospels and the whole of the Bible has that aim. But this individual, Mark, and let's not forget, John Mark, he was there. He went with Paul on, on a missionary journey. <laughs> he had a little bit of a falling out, but then he was back with Paul. And he was with Paul when Paul was in Rome. He knew the apostles. He knew Peter. And this book of Mark was the first of the Gospels to be written. In our Bibles, we have Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. But it's actually Mark who was the first one. And Mark was an associate of Peter. And because of the way he writes this Gospel, the, the commentators and the experts will tell us when they examine these things that it was more than likely Peter who was relating these things to him and probably encouraging him to write it down. You know, Peter was like a fast-moving person. He jumped in with two feet. I can imagine Peter uh, saying to Mark, you know, we'll have to write this down. And Mark saying, yeah, we will. And then Peter just saying, we will write it down, won't we? And Mark saying, look, when are we going to write this down? And then Peter would say, right, let's do it. Or Mark probably pushed him and said, come on, Peter, give us the information. Let's write it down. Let's get it down on paper. Let's. And so you've got this feeling here. And it's important that we know that. Because when we know that, we know the authenticity we know the truth. We know when it was written. We know the people who wrote it. We know who was around at the same time. I think it's about 35 years after the death of Jesus that Mark wrote this gospel. You know, it, how long is it since the Beatles? Who remembers the Beatles? Oh, some of you do, but won't admit to it. <laughs> and I even remember the end of the Second World War, okay? In as much as I remember soldiers coming back from the Second World War, and when I was a kid talking about the things that happened, Things that happened within my lifetime. And I know the truth of them. Why? Because I got information first hand. I have information about the Beatles. Who people who were at the cabinet. I didn't go, but I knew people who didn't. They told me about them. And then you got the whole of the media. So we've got all this, haven't we? And this was written down. Not that many years after the death of Jesus. So it's important. So it's good. And what we've been looking at. And we've already seen quite quickly how we come to different things. And last time... We looked at how Jesus went into the synagogue and we said that he went in to teach. That's why he went in. And he began to teach. And what happened is that we had this demon-possessed man. He dealt with the situation. He wouldn't, the demon in the man who challenged Jesus knew who Jesus was. The people in the synagogue didn't. The rabbi didn't. They didn't recognize him. Jesus was beginning to teach them who he was. But these demons already knew. And this, we said, was Satan putting his forces against Jesus. And we'll see that time and time again as you go through the Gospels. So now we, we come to this point here where they've been in the synagogue. And we said that archaeologists have found there was a synagogue uh, here in Capernaum. And before that synagogue, there was another synagogue. You found the foundations, and that was the one that they say was there at the time of Jesus. And they found this house, which is just next door, with quite a big courtyard. And we looked at that last week. So keep those few things in your mind as we come to this passage. And the people were all so amazed that they asked each other, what is this, a new teaching, and with authority? He even gives orders to evil spirits and they obey him. And this is the thing. This is where we come to now. This week. News about him spread quickly 
over the whole region. News spread quickly. You know, how does news spread fastest? In our day, it's through the internet. But way back then, it was word of mouth. That's how it spread. So this incident in the synagogue, the people who were there went out from the meeting, like you will go out from here later on. And it was so dramatic that which had happened is that they couldn't wait to tell people, where have you been? I've been, I've been, I've been in the synagogue. What happened? Oh, let me tell you. Was it? Yeah. Oh, you heard about so-and-so. He's in the synagogue this morning. You know what happened? No. Oh, oh. hey, you know what? News would be round. Round the village. Spreading out. And then we go on. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon, that's Simon Peter, and Andrew. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went straight home. It's more than likely that this house was just about next door to the synagogue. And so, immediately, get that, this is Mark again, you you see these words all the time. Immediately, they went to the the, the house of um, Peter, Simon Peter the home of Simon and Andrew, where Simon's mother-in-law is ill. Now, can you imagine that? They probably all went back, like some of you might be expecting to go back from here, to your home to have your lunch. And in some cases, it might have already been prepared. I don't know. And more than likely, that's what was happening here. But when they got there, Peter's mother-in-law was ill. Just to stop one minute. If Peter had a mother-in-law, what else did he have? A wife. Yeah. (laughs) He had a wife. There are people teach the Peter who they teach he became the first pope and he didn't have a wife. So because the first pope didn't have a wife, okay, do you get the drift? Peter had a wife. We're not told he had a wife, but we told he had a mother-in-law. Maybe that's a bit more, uh, you know, those jokes about the mother-in-law, don't you? You, you do. All the, you shouldn't tell them, really, you know. One of the blokes has said, you know, my mother-in-law said he's going to dance on my grave when I die. I don't mind that because I'm getting buried at sea. <laughs> he had a mother-in-law, but the point is, he had a wife. And when they got to the house, she was ill. And she was out the way, she was upstairs. But they told Jesus, you know, they could have just ignored it. They could have said, oh, don't bother him. You know, he's been to the synagogue. He's, he's had a lot on. He's, all that happened there with that fellow he had to deal with. Um, we'll do the lunch. And, you know, we won't. No, they told him. There's a lesson for us there, isn't there? Sometimes we're reluctant to tell Jesus. How do we tell Jesus? Prayer. And what happened when they told Jesus? He went straight to her. And all he needed to do was hold her hand and raised her up. And the fever left her. And immediately she came down and started serving. Isn't that good? Immediately. How often do you get over <laughs> a fever like that? No, you don't, do you? It's gradual. And when you, when you, us blokes, we know this. When you go into not feeling well, and when you come out of not feeling well, we don't realize it, but we milk it. Don't we? Man flu, yeah. <laughs> She was straight in, straight, straight in, straight away. The healing was complete. And the people in Capernaum, which is where they were, 
because of the way the news from the synagogue had spread throughout the village, they all came to the house. As that news went round, it would probably be, well, who was it? That, that fellow Jesus, he's a friend of Peter's. Peter's, where are they? Why are they gone for? They're in his house. Boom, that's it. That's how all the people began to come. And we read, as soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon, that's Simon Peter, and Andrew, that's his brother. Um, and Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever. And they told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, helped her up, and the fever left her, and she began to wait on them. Then, evening after sunset, because the word spread now, and people have got together, and in those situations, I think I'm going to go down, suss this out. Oh, yeah, I'll come with you. Oh, yeah, you go. Oh, I'll go as well. Get it? And then it'll be, I'll tell you what, we'll take so-and-so with us because you might be able to do something for them. So, so this is how, how it's happening. The evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus the sick and the demon-possessed. And the whole town gathered at the door. Now, the whole town. We say that, don't we? You know, um, you have an event on in Liverpool, uh, they brought the cup home and the whole town were down there. No, they won't. That wasn't. <laughs> but we know the phrase, don't we? It means a lot of people. A lot of them were there. So they all gathered at the door and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. And he also drove out many demons. But he wouldn't let the demons speak because they knew who he was. That's important, that. That's interesting. You see, as I mentioned last week, the forces of evil are at work here. Satan is trying to stop Jesus. He tried to stop him in the wilderness when he tempted him. He's going to try and stop him right through his ministry. And even on the cross, he's going to try and stop what God is doing through Jesus. And so part of that is these demons. And when they come, they are those who know who Jesus is. Because Satan is behind this. And Jesus says, come out. And the demons come out. And he gives the instruction. But not to tell anybody. We're going to see that as we go through this. And it's because they knew who he was. Then we come to the next little bit. Very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Okay. What did Jesus do when he first went into the synagogue? He taught the people in the synagogue. What's he continuing to do now? He is teaching the people, but he's also teaching his disciples. Because the disciples, because of the role that is ahead of them, they need to know who Jesus is. They need to know the truth. And you don't learn things right away. You don't go to school for a week and you come out knowing the three R's. Reading, writing, and arithmetic. When did arithmetic be with an R? I don't know. <laughs> but that's what they say, don't they? Well, you don't go in and they teach you and you come out at the end of the week and you know it all. It's a process. And the disciples had to learn. And during that learning process, there are going to be obstacles in the way. 
And that's another tool of Satan. He's going to stop them. He doesn't want these men to know who Jesus is because he will probably know what will happen if these men do know who Jesus is because their lives will be changed. And there will be a gospel to proclaim. He doesn't want that. So he's going to try and hinder it. So keep that in mind as well. So that you can see everything that's going on here. Early in the morning, you know what? Jesus had a busy day in the synagogue. He had a busy uh, afternoon. He healed Simon Peter's mother-in-law. He had a very, very busy night, evening time. He wouldn't have got much sleep, but you know what? He got up early in the morning. You know what? He got up early in the morning. And what did he do? He left the house. Why? Too much going on. Too many people. Where did he go? He went to a solitary place. What did he do when he got there? He prayed. There's lessons there, isn't there, for all of us. That's what he did. There's a need for solitude. There's a need to come aside and rest. That's why we need holidays. That's why we need those times that God gives us, maybe throughout the day, when you can just come away from the bubble bubble, even just for a few moments. When we read this, we, we do go through it quite quickly. But sometimes we need to just stop and, and think. What is really happening here? Something else is happening here. The disciples are just learning and they don't understand this. I said this more than likely Peter who told Mark about these things. And Peter was there. It was his house. It's where he lived. His mother-in-law lived there. His brother lived there. And he could relate these things. You know, when we communicate, you know, I don't, I text for the convenience, but I don't like texting. I would sooner speak on the phone. Why is that? Because you get more of a feedback of what the conversation really is. And even better than that is face-to-face. -face. On the phone, you get a little bit of the voice and you think, well, is he angry or if he isn't? But when you're face-to-face, -face, you read all the other signs. You have the facial expressions. And when we speak, when you text, you text like this, as you have to <laughs> when you're on the phone you speak like this when you're face to face you speak like this like this like this like this and your face changes and your hands are well my hands are everywhere <laughs> but you're seeing more of what's really happening and I can see Peter here when he's telling this incident remember they had that great day and all the people and the fame and the attention that they were getting. And wow, you know, this, this person, Jesus, who we're following, look how it's going to be. It's great. Look what's happening. All these people are getting he healed. All these demon-possessed people are in the right minds. This is tremendous. We can't wait to carry on. Let's get stuck in, lads. And they get up next morning and go, where is he? Wait, have you seen him? I haven't seen him. Is he, if you check through the house, he's not here. Oh, what's he up to? What's he doing? He should be here. He should be. Let's keep going. We've got the momentum. So they go out to look for him. And they find him. Listen, listen, listen to his words when you, you, you read um, this, this passage. Um, where are we? 
And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Okay. Text it. Everyone is looking for you. Say it on the phone. Everyone's looking for you. Let's see what really happens. There you are. Do you know everyone's looking for you? In other words, what do you think you're doing? Get back to what we think you should be doing. What you did last night. You're going to lose the momentum. Remember the disciples haven't learnt yet. And they're still being taught. When this was written, that Peter had learned. And Peter knew. Peter could write about these things. And when he told Mark, and Mark wrote it down. You can imagine the, the, <laughs> the excitement between the two of them. You can imagine when Mark's writing it down, you know, he's thinking like this. Because there's the hint of a rebuke here. Do you ever rebuke God? Why is this happening? You don't know. Well, he does. And sometimes that's a little bit of a rebuke. Why is it not happening? We don't know the mind of God. And sometimes that can be a rebuke. And that's what's happening here. See that? How do I know that? How do I? Because we have the full story. We know what's just happened the night before, the day before. We know what happened during the night time. Jesus went out to be on his own to pray. And we know what happened in the morning when they couldn't find him. And they're all like, what's he doing? What's, what's he up to? We want to be out there. Look, the whole village knows us. When I go out in the morning, they're all going to go, hi, Peter, hi, Peter, oh, that's Peter. This song, hi, hi, yeah. And we're going to get what happened. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else. Whoa. What? After what happened yesterday? Yeah. Let's go somewhere else. Where are we going? Well, we're going to leave Capernaum. We're going to go to the nearby villages. Capernaum is a big place. Very busy place. A lot of fishing going on. A lot of industry going on. A lot of trade going on. The Romans were there. Oh, this is a... You want to go to the little villages? Not even just to another village. You want to just go round little villages? Why? So I can preach there also. Yeah. But there's a little added bit to that, which gives us a bit more information. That I can preach there also. That is why I came. So, at this moment in their lives, those who have been called disciples, those four who will become apostles, have a different agenda to what Jesus has. And Jesus has to tell them what his agenda is. And he's saying that I have to do what I have been called to do. I'll take you back to when he was 12. 
when his parents didn't understand what he was doing back in the temple and what was he doing he was discussing he was learning he was teaching and he said I've got to be doing my father's business when they said what are you doing here we've been looking everywhere for you what are you doing here I'm about my father's business that's what I've got to do so he's got to do what he came to do he didn't come to heal everybody he had the power to do that but that's not why he came that's why he didn't heal everybody he didn't come just to drive out demons not by the way he was doing it there he could do it and he did it but he's going to defeat demons he's going to defeat Satan he's going to defeat death he's going to defeat illness and that's what he came to do and the disciples didn't understand it you know if you go through the ministry of Jesus the three years was here most people didn't understand that and it took the disciples a long time to understand that and let me tell you something there's a lot of people today don't understand that because they will say well if there is a God why doesn't he make everybody well if there is a God why do we suffer well we suffer because there is a God and we have offended him and we've offended him by our very nature that we inherited from Adam when he disobeyed God and if I said here now if you're perfect stand up <laughs> and if one of you did stand up I'd say that's the first lie you told because none of us are perfect and we don't live in a perfect world but because there is a God it was a perfect world and because there is a God it will be a perfect world and because there is a God you can know what Jesus came to do if you're sitting there thinking I wish you'd take away this my head's spinning I wish you'd take away this well he could well, he, he might not I wish he would give me a better place to live away from those neighbours next door. Well, he could. We didn't come to do that. What did he come to do? And I'm sitting here in my sinful state before a holy God and I'm condemned and I cannot stand before him. No more than I can break the speed limit, get caught by the police and then have to go to court and stand before the judge and say I didn't do it I don't do anything wrong well don't you? well you do and the evidence is there so you pay the price so we sit here and say I don't need God I don't need Jesus I don't do anything wrong the answer is well I do <laughs> and I'm guilty in his sight but there's good news so why did Jesus come? He came to die on a cross. Why did he die on a cross? So that he could pay the price for your sins and my sins. How do I know that he could do that? Because he rose again the third day. And the evidence is there. 
So what's our real need? What was the real need of those people who came to the house of Simon Peter that night and went away? Yes, some of them, their aches and pains are gone for a while. Is that all they, they got? Because Jesus had to go away to a quiet place. And he had to go through explaining who he was, laying down the evidence so that some of those people who were there that night could say, wow, he took the pains away from me. But you know what? He's done more than that. And I didn't realize it at the time. He's actually paid the price for my sin. He is the Messiah. He is God. He is my Savior. And same for us. How do we see Jesus? What does Mark want to tell us? Well, Mark 1. In the beginning of the gospel about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And that's who he's telling us about. And that's who he's explaining who Jesus is. The Messiah, the promised one. The Son of God. And why did he come? We'll go to the end of the gospel. And you find out. If there's anything I've said that is not in here, please challenge me. If there's anything that you don't understand, please ask questions. It's good to ask questions. One of the reasons that we can spend a bit of time together with a, over a cup of tea is if you've got something on your mind and you want to say, I don't fully understand that, or you want to talk about it, there's an opportunity. We don't just say, right, we're finished now, sing the last hymn, say a prayer, and throw you out the door. <laughs> we're here to learn who Jesus is and what he means to us today.